Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It is episode 21 of Football and Random Things presented by Iowa Diamond. Carl Chevrolet Studios in Ankeny is where we are. Hello, Jeffrey. Hello, Jared. How are you today? I'm good. Have you ever seen the movie Get Him to the Greek? I have not seen that movie yet. Oh. I do, uh, although I do love Russell Brand. Uh... Every time that I call you Jeffrey, I think about in that movie they do it. They they smoke what's called a Jeffrey, uh, and it's got like is that an illicit drug reference? Yeah, and it. Uh, this is a highbrow podcast. <laughs> How dare you bring something? But it's got like weed and uh, like PCP and I mean all kinds of crazy stuff in it. Any, and this is this is a random tangent jump off. But then they say why. Like, why is it called a Jeffrey? And they're like, how could you ever be scared of a bloke named Jeffrey? That's true. I'm not intimidating. Yeah. No. But then uh, Jonah Hill obviously gets super messed up by the Jeffrey. Wait a second. Jonah Hill's in a movie without drugs? Yeah. What? Yeah. And then he what has to it? stroke a furry wall. And that's how he like calms himself down. It's like rubbing this hand on So the you just want me to stroke wall. a furry wall. That's really the content that you're trying to drive home. I just always think about that line that nobody can be scared of a bloke named Jeffrey. I don't. I'm going to start I using the word bloke. I don't know if that's an insult to me or if that's like, are you funny? Are you just describing the fact that like I could, I could be an outlier? Although I don't think. I, I think, don't think I have a reason to be scared. Well, of I you. think like from an exterior standpoint, like if you looked at me because I'm a bald dude that's generally like broad shouldered. Like you, I think that there could be like the slight sense of like, oh, he's, he, that guy's a dick. Yeah. And then you listen to me talking, you're like, that guy's just weird. He's not, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with him. He's just weird. I think that's, that's probably the, the expression. Oh, uh, however, so we did a, uh, at the gym, we had our, um, we had a social event just for our members yeah. and, uh, we did a faux eighties prom. And so all our members, all the women went and bought like from eBay, these like legit like 1980s prom dresses, just poofy shoulders, just ob obnoxious, disgusting. There was, uh, uh, everyone did like, I don't know the volume of hairspray that was bought in the city of Ankeny, but it had to have gone up at least tenfold mm -hmm. this weekend because the, the hair holds were insane. Um, and my contribution to this is, so I'm, uh, I went dateless, so as going dateless, I had to do something that would have, or had to go as someone who would have been that way. And I went as the gym teacher chaperone, which makes sense as like the trainer and owner of the gym that you'd be the gym teacher chaperone. So I, uh, one of our members is at, was it previously was a gym coach and he had like the legit bike shorts Yeah, and it was mid thigh, which <laughs> that, uh, that was nice. I'm proud of that. I got some nice legs. They're short quality. But uh, legit bike shorts and then a polo from, it probably wasn't the 80s, but it was probably like early 1990s. And then um, popped the collar on that because naturally, it's an, that's how you wear a polo if you're in 1985. And the coup de gras here, well, two other coup de gras. Uh, one, to complete the outfit, I had a pair of high top chucks yeah. that I just, I personally own. I enjoy that pair of shoes. Had some nice high socks that went with it. I pulled out my letter jacket from high school that uh, still fits which is good. Um, but then the, the, the full coup de gras was I, uh, I, I knew that this was coming. And so I didn't shave my face for probably two and a half ish weeks. Did you have a mustache? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Oh yeah. It, it was solid. And, uh, I didn't, I, I wanted to go with a very eighties mustache. So I didn't go with like the, you know, like the, the Fu Manchu or something like that, where you're trying to like make just like a silly statement. Like I just went the straight across the upper lip and what doesn't grow on my head does grow on my face. And so two weeks worth of mustache is a solid, very thick, very pervy stash. However, it grows in red and light brown. So it, it doesn't like, it doesn't jump out at you from across the room, but you get close enough to be like, Oh my God. Oh. And so after we go to uh, Saturday prior to the eighties prom, we had a, a couples competition just to see, you know, do something fun with your spouse or significant other. And then, so we had a division that was like strictly like married people or engaged people. And then a division that was just like, if you're a dude and you're, and there's, there's a woman that you just want to do a competition with, and we have a, a competition upcoming next week. So I just wanted to do a day that I could, you know, 
just a little like a trial run. Um, but anyway, for that, I did that. And so afterwards, a bunch of us wanted to go like just get lunch afterwards. And uh, so for I had grown this, I think it's a two and a half weeks worth of a thick mustache. And I'll send you the picture that like that I could, you can put out on Twitter for this. And uh, I it's a it's a very it's a real nice mustache. I'll tell you what. So anyway, we get done and all of us want to go just to get some food at Jethro's. And you know, when you get to like a table at a restaurant and there's like 15 of you. And so I get to the table and, or I had gone to the bathroom as they were getting the table. So everyone kind of picked their spots and there's just a spot or two left. And so the spot or two that was left was ironically next to all of the children. (laughs) And I looked across the table and there's one, my, my friend, Sean and his wife, Emily have three kids. And then my friend, Sarah and his husband or her husband, Carrie, they have two. And so there is five children sitting right next to me. And I look over at Sarah and I go, I, uh, I hope you're okay with me sitting here. And she goes, I don't, I know you, so this is fine. But if I didn't, I would have a knife in my hand right now. So my weekend was filled with mustaches and sitting next to children. Is that what you expected for the start of this show? We'll be right back on football and random things. After a quick word from Iowa Diamond. This is Iowa Diamond President Chuck Kuba. After 20 years of serving engagement and wedding couples, I can't help but reflect back on the thousands of wonderful folks we've helped and ask myself, how can we be so lucky? Is it our incredible ring selection or the quiet private atmosphere? Then came the epiphany. Out of all the people in the world, we make you feel like you are the most important people in the world. Because at that moment, to all of us at Iowa Diamond, you are. Visit us at iowadiamond.com or in person anytime. You'll see what I mean. So there was a football game last night or something closely resembling a football game. I don't know what you're talking about. Is it foot, foot, football? Is that a game where you score points? Usually. Oh, I thought it was a punting contest. I thought it's kind of funny how after the entire season, it was this explosion of offense. And then the Super Bowl was three to zero at halftime. And (laughs) most of the way through the third quarter well and here's the thing is if i i i will say this and i don't mean this to be like i don't want to sound like arrogant at all but if you look at like so as far like a football knowledge standpoint if you round up i'm smarter than or football smart more than a hundred percent of the population i'm probably in the 99 point something percentile and so i know like i can watch a game on horn or anything not to yeah i'm smarter than everybody this is everybody except uh, except Jay Jordan. Except Jay Jordan. Few people are as smart as Jay Jordan. Anyway, um, but like I can, most of the time, like I know enough about each one of the positions that I can watch something. Yeah. And like my correlate to this is people that know baseball really well. Like if there's a one to zero, someone throws a one hitter, a, a pitcher throws a one hitter, and then another pitcher throws like, uh, uh, you know, goes a full complete game, and they but they give up a run in like the second inning on an error or something like that, and there's two hits. But both pitchers are on. It's not a no hitter. It's not a it's not a perfect game. It's just one pitcher being really dominant and another pitcher being really dominant. If you don't understand the game of baseball, that's a boring ass game to watch because no, you don't understand the complexities of it. But if you know the game, it's really beautiful to watch. And a lot of times defensive games like like LSU Alabama, most of the time an LSU Alabama game is neither one of those teams when it push comes to shove is a great offensive team. But they're great generally generally speaking yeah generally speaking but they're they're great defensive teams and so you can watch them like man this is really good defense but that game in the super bowl was not like it was just it was good defense it wasn't exemplary it was just garbage offense on both sides and what's more what what i don't the startling part about both of that is one tom brady's on one of them and that interception that he threw tom brady got fooled but the same way that Tua Tonga Vailoa got fooled by Brent Venables is they spun coverage. They showed something and ran something else. And Tom Brady's been playing football for almost as long as you've been alive. Yeah. And it been in the NFL for almost, look, well, to add college. So you got drafted in what, 2000? Yeah. Drafted in two, uh, or 2001. No, 98. You got drafted in 98? Well, thought, he, start, he started. so. He started in the 2001 season. I think he was either a rookie or a second year. So I think 2000. Maybe it was 99. So two, 99, let's say 99 or 2000. Yeah, add five years to that. That's 95. 
he would have 95, 96. He's legit been playing collegiate or professional football almost as long as you have been alive. Mm-hmm. And that is not a mistake that you make. And it's in the Super Bowl. It's, it, it's what it was a cover two look or is it, it was a man look that they spun to cover two. It, that's not except exceptionally hard. It was just a stupid throw from yeah. one of the smartest quarterbacks of all time. And so like, it wasn't the defense was good, but don't get me wrong. Again, it's the same stuff that you've been seeing, but there were some really good plays, but in general, I was just like, really? Like this is the last bit of football that we get to experience. And it's Tom Brady making well, the American stick. Alliance Alliance of America football starts on Sunday. We're going to do this again. Yeah, we're going to do this again. San Antonio Commanders. I'll root for the Commanders just because of Joel. <laughs> That's where it stops. I, I'll, I take that back. I'm probably going to end up watching it just because <laughs> I'm an addict and you know it. Because it's football. It's football. <laughs> it's something. We're going to spend the whole summer breaking down the Alliance <laughs> of American football. <laughs> so did you guys, did you see what Orlando did? Oh, the Atlanta team. Michael Vick's a great coach or great quarterback coach. Uh, anyway. He's the offensive coordinator. Come on, get it right. Well, he's got to be the quarterback coach, too, if he's the offensive coordinator. He's not just going to have one job. I just feel like Mike Vick, like his coaching style, would he'd go out there and he'd say, he's like, all right, boys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to chuck the ball as far as we possibly can. <laughs> or run it. Or you're going to run. You're going to outrun all the corners. Yeah, and you're just going to run faster than everybody. All right. And they're all just ready to break and he's, and he's like we're not gonna run plays or anything like just everybody just run around and like do what you and, want man and then quarterback you just do your thing you do what you want but mike Vick's the goat he is i don't think we've seen anybody like him no ever i think the honestly the closest thing that i would think to watching him is kyler murray kyler is a better pocket passer but not quite as like dynamic as a runner but when you watch mike vick it was like you forget how fast it's that, that Kyler Murray, the first three steps, like you were just standing still seven yards ago and you took two steps and now you're at full speed. How the hell did that happen? Mike Vick is my quarterback on my Madden ultimate team. If he's not, yeah, you're not playing the right game. And it's the 2000, it's a Madden 04 version. The one that he was on the cover of pre dog fights. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely pre dog fights, pre dog fights. Yeah. Uh, but he was like unstoppable on that game. The Falcons were a cheat code. What's funny is because like in the video game, like you would go to. You literally could run four verts and just run with Mike Vick. And yep. that, that, that could quite literally just be your offense. Well, and then because what are the, the only way to stop that is if you're a defense that you're trying to play, you play at cover two, but he's got a cannon for an arm. Yeah. You just throw it down the field. Yeah. And just somebody's going to catch it if you do it four times in a row. Now, you know, my entire Madden offense is run four verts. <laughs> if you're playing zone, throw it deep. If you're playing man, gonna run it. Maybe hot route into some uh, into some hitch hitch routes sometimes. Ooh, ooh. Settle down, buddy. <laughs> Settle down. We're throwing hitches now. It's crazy. What uh, were we talking about? I think we went to the Super Bowl. I was talking about Tom Brady making a stupid mistake. Oh yeah, no. Oh so yeah. I was like, even at, when the game was getting over, I asked my buddies that I was watching the game with uh, who they thought should be the MVP. Julian Edelman was and, the only player that played well, and that's why I was gonna say. I was like, man, I feel like it has has to be Edelman. I think that they'll probably end up giving it to Brady, which it did end up being Edelman. But uh, he made so many big plays, like just keeping drives alive. Let's and just stuff call like it this. That. He made plays. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. That was one person that made plays. And so the thing is, is like, again, talk, coming back to that metaphor of me being smarter than everyone in the room, uh, because I'm modest and great. Okay, keep going. <laughs> um. But no, like you can watch, you can watch defensive football for the most part. And so when the Rams were on defense, the thing that made it really entertaining on that side of the ball was just watching Aaron Donald. Yeah. Because they would send legitimately in pass protection, they would shift the zone side to him. And we've talked about man zone in in weeks past where you send them, you know, there's a man side on most protections where the guard takes the first, the tackle takes the first outside guy on the line of scrimmage. The guard takes the second guy from the line or from the end of line of scrimmage. And then the zone side sifts the rest and the running backs pick up something else. And the zone side would almost always shift to Donald wherever he was. And so like the point man on Donald would be the guard. And then whoever, whether it's the tackle or the center, whoever is unoccupied would have to shift over to protect him or to, to block Aaron Donald because literally one dude couldn't like you, you as he, and there were times when if they would drop off the defensive end of like some type of zone coverage or Aaron or Donald would be, would be playing the end man, mm-hmm. he would like slant in the guard would take him 
the center would take would collapse in and the tackle would collapse in. And he's still there is one time when they triple teamed him and he ended up about a yard on the ground in front of Brady, which stopped him from being able to step into a throw, which caused an incompletion. They triple teamed him and he still caused pressure to cause an incompletion. So when the Rams are on defense, that was the thing you got to watch to just be like, man, this dude's really good. And, and Dominic and Sue probably had one of his best games that I've seen him play as a Ram because he was a f- he did that same thing at Nebraska where it's just like, I want to move you. You're a human and I don't want you in my way. I'm going to move you out of my way. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, he, do, he doesn't consistently do that, but that game he did. And they moved him. They put Sue at defensive end, I think, about as many times they put him in as an interior tackle for yeah. whatever reason, um, which it worked. I mean, you, you score 13 points, you should win the game. I thought that he was, or they were going to throw a flag on Donald that time when he, when taught, he, when he tossed Brady. him. Yeah. They let him play for the most part. Yeah. They, which, there were some times it was getting physical on coverage too, yeah. whereas, where it seems Especially like maybe, Gilmore. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of times they'd play it back and you're like, no, nah, it's just, it was, it was pretty a pretty well officiated game. Yeah, ironically, good coverage. ironically, after the two championship games, I feel like it was a pretty well officiated game. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so when the Rams were on defense, you could watch Aaron Donald and be like, okay, that dude's just really good. Or you watch Dominic and Sue and be like, that dude's really good. Or you watch Aqib Tlaib and go, that guy's a douche. One of the, the three things. If you just wanted to see that Aqib Tlaib is a douche. Uh, just in general, like cheap oh, okay. shots all over the place. Okay. Uh, he's a really good player. He's a captain for the team. So obviously behind closed doors, he's probably a fine leader. Uh-huh. But on the field, he's a douche. Anyway, Did you play against him? No, he was significantly older than me as far as. The, oh, yeah. He was on the 07 team. Yeah. The one that. Uh, Harris Ring, was. Ring of Honor. Pretty sure, pretty sure Harris was too. Ring of Honor. Because I, I, I don't. Re- Kansas. I don't remember playing against uh, Chris Harris. Because they, they both went to Kansas. Yeah. Um. But uh, shout out to Mark Mangino, the Mangino guy. Um, but anyway, the but when the Patriots were on defense, it, the Rams just sucked. Mm-hmm. It was just bad offense. Jared Goff played terrible. He played terrible, but there so did everybody else. Yeah, it wasn't there was one guy that was playing horrible, and the rest of the offense. So they should have had at least one touchdown. There was a play where he threw it. I think it was when they got their field goal. Uh, when Wait. he threw the ball to the end zone, Brandon Cooks. Yeah, Cooks was standing there wide open, mm-hmm. and he threw just an absolute duck. And uh, if it was if a it, dart, if it would have been a good throw, then it would have been a touchdown. But the fact that he threw a duck just gave the defensive back enough time to get over there to to break it up. So I was actually talking with the, the you know the group chat that I have, the Spears Arnod A Rob is that group chat, and Spears kept saying like how bad Goff was playing, and I kept all like deflecting that, and it kind of like not to say that Goff played a good game. But the metaphor that I used towards the end of the conversation was like, the whole house was on fire. And saying Jared Goff played poorly is like saying the living room is on fire. Okay, yeah. The whole house is on fire. You don't mm-hmm. have to specify that the living room is on fire. Hey, do you see the, you see the couch is on fire? Yes, I understand. The, the whole house is on fire. No, like, but there's the, the TV is also on fire. <laughs> like, I get it. The whole house is on fire. Did you know that the, ch- the, ch- the chair is also on fire? Yes. The living room is completely engulfed in flames. The, the entire house is on fire. So here's the, the quintessential example of that. And so McVeigh also admitted that he got outcoached because he tried to do too much cute stuff. And so one of the things that is the quintessential example of this, everybody being terrible. And Brandon Cooks is one of my favorite receivers to watch because like Edelman, so I, we can get to Edelman and Brady in a second, but with Brandon Cooks, so... That interception that they threw at the very end of the game was it was a duck by by Goff and it should have been thrown outside. But that was as much on Brandon Cooks as it was on Jared Goff. So he never even saw it. He never. And that's exactly the reason why. So here's what happened. And so they ran. The Patriots are not known for a ton of pressure, but they just are known for bringing the right amount of pressure at the right time. So they'll they'll usually only bring four to five. And so I think pressure a lot of times will define as five or more, but with the Patriots, like you can expect four or five pretty much all the time, but if you, they're rarely going to bring six, seven or eight. And so they, they don't do this often, but they'll do it like you not, I don't know. I haven't obviously watched film, but they'll, the games that I have watched, they'll do it once or twice a game where they'll just pick their, their token time to bring a full load the house pressure. And so what they did, the, so the Rams are in, the, they're driving in the red zone and the Patriots obviously had to do something different. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that the Patriots, and it, it, as much as you like them or don't like them, you have to respect the Patriots for their game plan. It's brilliant. And I can get to even more of that in a second, but they, 
the, so in this cover zero or in this, this play, what they did is run cover zero. And so we've talked about coverages in the, the past couple of weeks. What the number behind the, the quote coverage stands for is how many deep players there are. It doesn't necessarily mean deep safeties because you could theoretically have a linebacker as part of your cover three, but most of the time it's going to be a safety or a corner. And so if it's cover zero, what that means is there's nobody back there. It is man across the board. And so if you have man across the board, let's say you have two receivers to your left, two receivers to your right, a running back in the backfield and a quarterback in the backfield. I don't remember if that's the exact formation, but let's say it was. Then you have two receivers on either side that you have to play man up against. Then you have five offensive linemen and you have one running back. So that's 10 dudes. So on the, as a defense, you have 11. So the quarterback can't block anyone. And so if you have man on the receiver, man on the receiver on the right, man on the receiver, man on the receiver on the left, that leaves you with seven. And there are six players that can block because the running back can pick up one. The offensive line can pick up five, seven versus six. There's automatically a free rusher anytime you bring cover zero. And so what you have to do when you play cover zero is that is a defense that is the risk reward on cover zero is enormous. There's a difference between the two because if it's man and if anybody gets beat anywhere at best, it's a, a you know, not, let's say it's a completed pass. If it's a completed pass, because obviously you can overthrow or drop a pass, but like if it, the pass is completed at best, it's a big gain that you tackle for a loss before they get in the end zone. At worst, it's a touchdown because there's nobody back there. And so if you are playing cover zero, you better get to the quarterback or you better force him to make a bad decision. Flip side. Oh, let's let me, before I get to flip side here. So if there's an unblocked, if there's an unblocked rusher, then that means where he's standing, you pick just whichever one of the guys is coming to whatever your protection is, whether you want to make it, you know, full slide and every one of your offensive linemen slides to the left and the running back goes just off the tackles, right side, whatever. And then you pick up the, the guy that's the farthest out. That's the free rusher. Or maybe you determine it as the guy that's the farthest off the ball becomes the free rusher. Regardless, worst, the worst case for the defense is you're eight yards away from the quarterback unabated as fast as you can run eight yards. That's how long the quarterback has to get the snap, take his steps, get his feet set and throw the ball. It's like one second between snap and throw. So as a receiver, what you have to understand is you have to look in the box. You can see the, I mean, you can, if you're looking down the field and trying to look for your coverage, you see middle open or middle closed, or you see that there's no middle at all. There's nobody there. There's probably, that probably means it's cover zero. And at cover zero with a free, excuse me, with a free rusher, that means you have one second before the ball is going to be in the air. Your ass better look for that ball. You take, so with a cover zero, even if you're not the hot, hot route meaning if there's a blitz you th I throw to you, mm -hmm. even if you're not the hot guy, you better take one, two, three, get your eyes back. Because if you take one, two, three and get your eyes back and that ball's not in the air, your quarterback's on the ground. So one, two, three, look back. And then Goff, thinking that Cooks was going to look back for the ball, just threw it up. Because in the situation that they were in, they were down, clearly not moving the ball. I mean, they had, what, 83 yards in two and a half quarters? Yeah. Clearly not moving the ball. They had finally gotten inside of Patriots territory. They had to score. He couldn't take a sack on that play, and he's in the pocket, and there's and a free rush. right rusher. after New England had scored. Wasn't right, it? so they yeah. were down 10-3 to 3 at the time, I think. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, because they drove down and kicked the field goal to win it. And so they were down 10-3. to 3. You have to score a touchdown. You can't punt this ball, and you can't throw it away because you can't take a sack, and you can't throw it out of bounds because it's the equivalent of taking a sack. You've got to throw it somewhere. So he threw it to whomever was the best matchup that he thought he had. It was not a great throw, but it wasn't actually an abysmal throw. He threw it what should have ended up being outside, but he ended up, he just got the ball off. Brandon Cooks has to look for that ball right now. You just take one, two, three, look back, find the ball up in the air. You go high point it, contest it for a catch. Go win a football game. Don't expect the Patriots to make mistakes. So go win a football game. He didn't look back for the ball till 15 yards down the field. That's not like a, oh, oh I was just thrown off his rhythm. His ass needed to know that. You look at, there's no safeties deep. There's no corners that are off. You have man, a guy with man eyes on you. He's looking at you playing man coverage. You look to your left because you're the number one receiver. You look to your left. There ain't nobody else there. It's cover zero. There's no one else in the, in the area. Cover zero. Look for the ball. And so the Rams did stupid crap like that the entire game where it's not, uh, that's not an elementary level thing. That's not like blocking, catching and tackling. But by the time you're a high school senior, that's stuff that you should know is that you should know if it's cover zero, full pressure, you can't pick it up. There's not enough people in the box to, to do that. You got to look back. That's, that is, like I said, that's equally on Cooks as it is. And I think 
Brandon Cooks was the receiver. I'm, I'm 99% sure. No, Brandon it Cooks. was. Yeah, yeah. So it's as much on Cooks as it was on Goff. Because Goff, like I said, he needed to put that ball outside to give his guy a better chance to either go up and just bat it down so it becomes an incomplete pass or just put the guy on his back like a rebound, you know, like, you know, whether it's Solomon Yard or not, like Cam Large, just putting somebody in the box is just get someone on your back. Best case scenario, you catch it. Worst case scenario, they just bat it down. So Goff left it inside, but Cook still should have gone up and got it. He didn't see it till it was too late. Like, so when I was just watching that game, like I said, when the Rams are on defense, you got to watch Donald and Sue and it was cool. When you watch the Rams on offense and the Patriots on defense, it was just like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing? This is stupid. Stephon Gilmore played a hell of a game. He did too. play a hell of a game, but still, yeah. that doesn't excuse the fact that you make elementary level mistakes. What do you think of the way that they handled Todd Gurley? Uh, I think his knee's way more messed up than people are giving it credit for. Yeah. He ran well when he got chances to run, though, for the most part. I mean, yeah. he had a couple plays that he, I mean, he busted for 15, 20 yards. I, I would say, I mean, if knowing, let's, let's assume that he's healthy, then I think they mismanaged that. Then they should have played him until they possibly could get every single inch out of him because he's not playing. You, you don't suit up for what OTAs until like July. And even if you're a banged up star, you don't need to suit up for OTAs. You just show up to OTAs and cheer on your buddies and coach the young guys. Mm-hmm. And, but if his knee is genuinely unstable, then you're jeopardizing the future of your organization because he's already had an ACL tear on that leg. Sure. If you mess that knee up any farther, then your young nucleus of a roster without Todd Gurley, who is a captain on your team, not only a really good player, you lose that. And so I don't, I mean, I mean again, you don't get, you don't guarantee yourself a chance at the Super Bowl. You never can. So you want to take as much opportunity as you want. But in the same light as if he, from a future standpoint, you don't want to mess that up. But even a present standpoint, he looked okay when he was running. But if you don't feel confidence in your knee to make cuts, you're not going to make good cuts. And I had an MCL injury on my left knee that I had for probably five-ish games that lingered around during my sophomore, junior year, junior year, and um, maybe senior year. I don't know, one of those years. But I had an MCL injury that I had to wear a hard brace for. And an MCL keeps your knee from sliding in and out. And so your ACL keeps it from sliding forward and backward. Your MCL keeps it sliding side to side. And I had a really bad MCL, a grade two MCL sprain. So it's not a, it wasn't torn, but it was pretty messed up. And I didn't feel confident going, running to my left, cutting and going back to my right. I could run to my right, plant my right foot in the ground and get up the field totally fine, but going to my left and cutting and going up the field. So I don't know if Gurley felt confident on that leg. And if you're not confident in your cuts, especially in, you know, in the NFL, the, the window for your cut is that long. Yeah. And so if he doesn't feel confident and he didn't look good in practice or whatever, and CJ Anderson was the better option, go for it. But I think moral, the, the, the bigger picture was not necessarily how they handled Gurley. Their game plan, their, either their game plan or their execution of that game plan was just garbage. Like it was just a garbage game plan, which is absurd to me with how good the Rams were all season to play that poorly in the Super Bowl. Uh, I also, we also had an opportunity for what would have been the greatest halftime score in the history of the Super Bowl, where it could have been three to two uh, when the Patriots had to kneel the ball from the one yard oh, line. Yeah. I, and the Rams had two timeouts. I was like, make them do it again. Like, make them run a play. Yeah. You know, and see if, if they see if you can push them back. Yeah. If nothing else, like you've got the two, two of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. Like if they try and run up the middle, I, I would take my chances with them stonewalling those somebody at the one yard line, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's like, if they want to kneel, then, I mean, they're basically going to have to do it. In, it's, it's like a quarterback sneak in like this much space, you yeah. know, there would have been, a, <laughs> there would have been any weird quirkiness. I loved again, Romo brought the house or brought it again. And so when Hecker had that longest pun in Super Bowl history, he's like, Hey, Jim, you finally got something to celebrate about. Oh, was great. I feel like he complained the entire game. He's just like, it's all so many punts. It's because it was like, it's yeah. the same. He was seeing the same thing that I was. It's yeah. just, it was bad football. Yeah. Like it wasn't, you know, again, you go back to the, it, if it's great defense, then you're like, Hey, tip of the cap. Yeah. Great job. But if it's just bad offense, it doesn't mean it's good defense. I'm not saying uh, by any means, if you hold any NFL team to 13 or less points in an entire game, that's pretty damn good football, yeah. but it was still just garbage offense. I would say the Rams played better defense than the Patriots did. The Rams also played significantly worse offense than the Patriots did. So I think there was two things that I had said that we can like, I could spin into one was Edelman and one was 
the Patriots offense, I think. Um, I, so the other, I thought the, as mo- oh, it was respecting the Patriots. So as much as you, like, as much as we hate the Patriots, like everybody does just because they're successful, the way that they run their schemes is, uh, is freaking brilliant mm-hmm. because everything that they do is they look for the, the list of things. And so you can go back to the Chiefs games. They look for the list of things that you do the best. What makes your engine tick? Like what, what makes you go? You're not going to take, we're going to take the two things that you do the best away from your game. And else, if you can beat us with your third, fourth, and fifth option, you're going to beat us. But you're not going to beat us with our first two. Yeah. And the Patriots did that with the running game, that stretch zone running game, and play action. That's what the, the Rams wanted to run, but they couldn't run it. And they weren't able to do anything else because they were hot garbage at drop back. But then the flip side of that is, what are the best things that you have on defense? We already talked about them. It's Sue and Donald. Your best two things, your best two guys are your two interior defensive linemen. And so we're going to do our best to not let those two guys beat us. And if everybody else in the defense beats us, fine, but not those two. So like they're the Patriots first run, but prior to the Brady interception, they had pretty good success. They were averaging like seven yards a carry on their first drive before they gotten, before it got picked off. And every single one of those plays that they ran was either a wham play or a bend play or an influence play. And what those plays mean, a wham means I know that my guard can't block this guy. I know they can't. I'm just not even going to try. And so we're going to, what they, I think that was on Sue the first time and then Donald the second time, maybe, or a couple times. And so anyway, they know a defensive lineman is going to run up the field just because the really good ones are going to get out of their snap. They're going to get into the line of the, the offensive lineman. If the offensive linemen move, then they're going to react and settle down for a second because they know that it's a, maybe it's a screen or whatever. They know they're not going to be unblocked. So they're going to run up the field like a yard. And so once they get past kind of the butts of the offensive lineman, what a wham play is, is either you t- you, in, a wham and a bend, the difference is a wham is an interior lineman, a bend is an outside lineman. It's the same play, but a wham is, so like De- they did it with James Devlin, their fullback, who's a tough son of a bitch. That's a, that's a mean dude. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Devlin, a wham play is, so defensive lineman comes up, up the field and any off or any offensive player, like a tight end or a, a fullback, just essentially tries to go nat on a windshield with the defensive lineman and just like hit him and get in his way. And the timing of that is that they're not expecting it. And so they just have to brace for contact. Obviously, if you if you can move him, awesome. But a 250 pound fullback is not moving to 300 pound Dominican Sue. It's just going to stifle him. Like I said, it's just bugging a windshield. It's all you're looking for. And so he goes, boom, wham. And then right behind that play, because that player is absorbing the contact of the fullback, then the ball, by the time that that defensive lineman has played off of that block, ball carrier is gone. And so a wham plays really effective for guys that get up the field is because if you can, at best, if you can knock them out and even towards the, like towards your own end zone, as you can knock them backwards, the running back is beyond them at that point. Mm-hmm. And what that also does is that doesn't waste a lineman because if a lineman is one-on-one with Dominican Sue or Aaron Donald and just, just gets ragdolled, then it's essentially you've wasted an offensive lineman because he's not long. He's no longer doing anything productive. But now when they, when you're in a wham or a bend to leave one of those guys unblocked to a fullback, that fullback, let's say on any given play, should have been blocking a linebacker and the guard is blocking Sue. Well, you just trade those responsibilities now. And so your guard is now going up to a linebacker and your fullback is now on Sue. And so you're productively putting one-on-one on one-on-one. And that, that type of offense gives you these really beautiful little running lanes because a defensive lineman's taught to fight pressure with pressure. So if you feel the offensive lineman trying to get to your right shoulder... That means he's trying to cut you off from that spot, which means you should probably get to that spot. So you're, t- you're taught to fight pressure with pressure. Remove the pressure. They're going to run straight up the field. He's not going to fight with the, the zone play. And then you hit him and stop him right there. And all of a sudden you have a run lane. And so they would, the, the, the Patriots offense was so smart, at least in the run game. And again, Donald and Sue are so, were so good that even despite these things, they would still, they would still overcome yeah. most of those things. But the Patriots offense was developed around taking away Donald and Sue and doing as best they could to just get them down the field. Um, and then just Julian Edelman being the smartest and quickest wide receiver on, you know, on the field in, in that day. They also teased. They teased us hard with SpongeBob, potentially uh, sweet victory, singing sweet victory during the halftime show. I, uh, 
and I was really upset. I don't know what that is. You don't know that song? I'm a 28-year-old adult. Be right back. Football and Random Things presented by Iowa Diamond in the Carl Chevrolet Studios. Hey, guys, it's Chris interrupting this podcast because, you know, everybody wants to know that I get it asked all the time. How can we help Cyclone Fanatic? Well, you help Cyclone Fanatic by you support our advertisers and everybody needs to be aware of eye care. I wasn't for a long time and I went to Ames Eye Care and they really helped me out. It's changed my life. I don't have headaches the way that I did. You've heard me talk about this. They're also in Des Moines at Des Moines Eye Care. And you need to think about this with your family. Get the kids checked out. Encourage the wife. Anything. Personalized eye care. Designer eyewear. I've got these sweet Maui gym glasses that I use at work all the time. People think they look awesome. They meet your whole family's vision needs at Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Check them out today and support Cyclone Fanatic. So I was doing some research today for a project that I'm working on prior to signing day. I realize it's the 10-year anniversary of uh, the 2009 recruiting class at Iowa State. Did you look up my recruiting profile? Is that what you're trying to say? I did. Can, is it, are you going to read it on air or is there not even words? Yeah, no, there's no words. You're, you don't, didn't have any stars. N-A star. So, did they even get my high school right? Jeff, I don't even know if they, if they put my high school on there. Yeah, it's Southeast Polk. Okay, that's They got good. you. Whew. Uh, yeah, no player rankings at this time. Yep. I was not... Exactly what you consider a highly ranked recruit. No one's like, oh, yes. They got that Woody kid out of, where is it? Southeast Polk? Southeast Pork? I don't know. At what? What's the school? Yeah. No one was jammed to get me. The but num- the number 72 recruiting class in the country. Hey, it's big time. 12th in the Big 12. It's big time. Dead last. I'm glad it, I contributed to that. It, it was dead last. No, it was punks like AJ. I'm pretty sure AJ was a two star. AJ. Jake was a two star. AJ's not even list. Oh, yeah. No, AJ was three stars. Oh, AJ was three? Yeah. He was the number 102 outside linebacker in the <laughs> class. How'd, how'd that turn out? Uh, Jake was uh, three stars as well. He was number 121. Let's look at some of the top linebackers in the 2009 class. Jelani Jenkins. He's in the NFL, isn't he? Yep. Pretty sure. Dorian Bell. What did you just send me? Uh, the image of me in a mustache. Oh. Uh, Ronnell Lewis went to Oklahoma. Jarvis Jones. Frankie Telfort. Who? Zeke Mata. Man, you got to be a is badass. That, is, that, is that Fad Mata's son? No, it's not spelled the same way. Oh. M-O-T-T-A. Dexter Moody. Barkevius Mingo. Barkevius Mingo, he's still in the league, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He ended up playing defensive end, I'm pretty sure. I feel like you have to be a badass to be named Zeke. Or Barkavius. Oh, yeah, or Barkavius. If I, if I named my child Barkavius, I, I think you'd get some, spec, some skeptical looks. Barkavius Woody? Yeah, you'd get some skeptical looks. I don't know. I, I feel like that sounds like a future All-Stater for the... Ankeny Centennial Jaguars. <laughs> um, um, probably not going to go with Barcavius. It's just, I mean, it's a hunch. I don't know. I don't know what my life's going to, maybe it's like a family name. Maybe, Clint. maybe uh, his mother will have a, like an uncle named Barcavius. Kansas State signed a guy named Clarence Bumpus. <laughs> Bumpus. I don't know. <laughs> of the two people that's going to laugh at a name like Bumpus, <laughs> it would be me and not you. Uh, UCF uh, signed someone named Troy Davis. Who? I don't know. Why that's, I don't know why, is that name familiar? Somebody? Man, did you hear about uh, the controversy surrounding Troy Davis? Uh, there isn't. Who's wearing the number? Brees Hall. He, that's, that's a ballsy choice. I don't think that he probably chose it. Well, I mean, somebody did. Well, yeah. And somebody, like, it, there's no way that that didn't go noticed while they were assigning numbers. Yeah, no, I think that's going to be an interesting... That's a ballsy choice. I mean, okay, so I could go two different ways on this. Okay. One, for one side, just the pure football aspect of it, does Troy Davis deserve to have his number retired? Yes. 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 Uh, and then I think it's odd that they didn't 
used the number for 20 years, and then all of a sudden they decided to give it to someone. Who happens to play? Running back. Yep. Who happens to be one of the highest recruited running backs in Iowa State history? Yeah. Hmm, weird. Uh, on the flip side of this, I think how upset Troy got about it is a little questionable. Yeah. I think that says more about him than Wait, it I says didn't, about... I didn't like... I didn't hear this part of the story. Did he? So he actually, what did he do? Like, oh yeah, dude, he was went on like a tirade on Facebook, dude. No. What? Yeah, yeah. Here, I'll read these things to you. I've got them. Uh, no, yeah, he was. He's mad. Uh, he said first it was Trump. Now it's Iowa State giving my jersey up. I have four boys. Disrespect. I don't know what, oh, what really any, have to do with that. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know what any of these things like have to do with each other. <laughs> <laughs> He's a he's big into politics, but the I mean, they are three things he's not favorable of. He made three statements, (laughs) three statements in a sentence. (laughs) They were they were clauses in in and of themselves. Uh, Then another one said, "That's a Hall of Famer jersey number twenty eight. Iowa State shouldn't be touched until they do my stats." Where is my Iowa State fans? This preposition work needs. This preposition game needs work. That's a Hall of Famer jersey, number twenty-eight. Iowa State shouldn't be touched until they do my stats. And then I, I again, I agree. Like I, I think he's right. However, the pettiness level here. They cheated me for the Heisman, the Doak Award. Now my jersey. It's different organizations. It well, I just think it's funny. I was yeah, and I don't, I don't know what like. Why would you be that upset? You know, I, th- I mean, I think if you compare yourself, like if you look around and uh, look around to the other people that have com- correlative statistics, if you look at their records and their the way that they're revered at their respective schools, then you would think that that should carry over to yours. And so comparing to someone else, the, I guess the, the external look would be comparing to somebody else, then you would get annoyed by that because you're your the reverence for your number does not match the reverence for someone else's number when all things were held equal all things were held equal but if you're looking at your own like how the hell does this affect me right now how does this matter to me at all then at that point you're like it doesn't yeah i'm gonna completely move on beyond this yeah but i guess in the in the same i mean to to take the defense too is that was probably the thing that Troy was, I don't, I don't know his life at all, but from, and if you're that successful, then that's probably the thing that you're known for. And so then that thing is sort of like, feels like by not retiring that number or not acknowledging that number, it feels like it's being swept under the rug. And so what you perceive as significance is not perceived on the other side by by significance. So I don't know, a metaphor that might make this make sense is if, if someone were, you were to give someone flowers and they were to throw those flowers in the yard then the significance of your gesture, the significance to you of I'm giving you something that matters and them not taking it and throwing it on the floor, then that takes it as an offense. And so by that meaning a lot to him, Iowa State not returning that and reciprocating that, then that feels like it's a a fracturing in the relationship portion. But still, again, the way that I would react to it is... (laughs) <laughs> shit i've talked about i'm not even the best in my own brain i'm not even the best 32 yeah and so it it to me if there was something that needed to be retired like if some kid wants to wear 82 at southeast pope freaking go for it buddy like that doesn't matter to me at all because it, it you know what 82 between what oh six and oh nine whatever at that school you know that 82 is me the jersey that was worn after me i don't care go do your thing and it's I mean, obviously, Troy was a great player. His jersey is hanging literally right there. Yes. Uh, and my only thing is that it's weird to me that all of a sudden now he's really fired up about what's happening at Iowa State. When in the time that I've been here, he's been back one time and that did not exactly end very well. Right. If you remember. I do, I do remember. Remember correctly. I do remember. And I don't think that that was exactly a wonderful experience for some of the people that were involved. And so let's not pretend that this is a guy that's like around the program every day. You know what I'm saying? Like where, Oh, he's mad at us. This is really bad. Like if Seneca was mad, that would be one thing because Seneca is like 
a person that is present. Yeah. To an extent. Right. Troy Davis is not present on any level of the mind. Yeah. And outside of the fact that he just has records. Right. And I think I don't know anything about life circumstance. I don't know anything about the dude. I've never talked to him in my life. So I don't, I, I don't know where he's coming from. And I don't know if that's like, like hypothesis number one is if that was a part of his life that he identified with as one of the most positive parts of his life by not acknowledging that, then you are, again, you're de-significant or you're making something that was significant to him, not significant anymore. And so what he thinks is really good is no longer good. Like that, that to me seems like a situation that could exist. But again, I don't know anything. So I'm speaking exclusively from the outside in. I think it's just funny because it's just so happened that 20 years later, it goes to a running back. Like is Breeze Hall that for him, you got to know that that's a weight to carry is because dude, you, I bet he doesn't even know, honestly, but it, someone should have probably told him. Well, that. I'm sure someone did, but I'm just saying like Brees Hall wasn't even alive when Troy Davis played, you know, that's true. He, um, unless he has seen highlights of him now, he probably had no clue who Troy Davis was, you know, probably true. And I mean that those teams weren't any good. So it's not like he's constantly in the conversation of being brought up, you know, to where people are like, oh, this is one of the best running backs I've ever seen. If he's doing it to honor somebody, he's probably doing it to honor Adrian Peterson, like, or somebody like that. Yeah. You know, someone that he actually has watched. And so that's where I I come from. Did he wear that in high school? No, I think he wore one, Hmm. but uh, I don't think that they give out one usually. So, I mean, I guess DeAndre Payne wore it, but I don't think Matt Campbell likes to let people wear one from what I've heard before. Oh, why? I don't know. Not. Are you going to go Gilbert Arenas and wear zero? <laughs> I don't think you can do that in football, can you? Nope. Uh, but no, I mean, I'm sure somebody, if he picked it, then I would assume that someone said, hey, man. Like, just so you just know. Just so you know, like, this is going to be this way. This is probably the best player in Iowa State history that wore this number at your position. Just know you're going to get comparisons to him every single thing that you do. So then how is that different? Brock Purdy happens to wear the same number that the best quarterback to play at Iowa State wore. Well, and someone probably filled him in on that, too. Yeah. But I think there's a difference between, I don't I don't I feel like as good as Seneca was, Troy Davis had back-to-back years of that really high level. And Seneca, I mean, he had good seasons, but there was that one excellent season that he had, and then it was a good season otherwise, right? But wouldn't you say that, would you, wouldn't you say Seneca is probably more revered than... I would say probably not. In, Man, in, I, I guess at least to my generation, it, he is, because I don't remember, like I said, I don't remember watching Troy Davis play. I, I think there's a, like some enigma in Troy Davis. Like, I think that's the part is because, I mean, to take the flip side of that, like he's not around and there is not enough video footage. So it's all like, like lore, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I, well, caught a, was... I caught a fish this big. I saw Troy Davis run over 14 guys in the field in one play. I'm like, wow, I, well, there's no the... proof. I mean, there's not no proof. It is just harder to access proof behind it. So the statistics and stories of Troy Davis are more legendary. It's like Paul Bunyan. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's people saw it and then they just recount the stories that they say. And so like everything is bigger and better in your memory than it is in real life. So I think with with Seneca, there was enough video footage. There's still enough accurate video footage around that is because, and those teams were good. I was going to say, and those teams with Troy were bad. Yeah. They were terrible. Like they're, it was hard to watch them, you know, and just, they didn't, were not in any way on the national map. And it's just like, yeah. So the people that really watched him a lot were like the diehard of the diehards. Right, and that's you know? what I mean. Like, and then, but then after that, after he leaves, they beat Iowa a couple times, you know, five times in a row. And then Seneca's there, and it's like the fan base had probably grown a lot in the five years or six, seven years since Troy Davis had left yeah. to where then when Seneca's there. And so like I said, so it's no longer a... Because if you were to try and go right now and watch a game from 1997, like you couldn't find it or 94, 90, whatever, whatever, 95, 96, 95, 96 excuse me, 95, 96. You could find like, find a, watch a whole game on that. Like it, you, it's not as, or even just solid highlights. Like it's harder. The camera footage is the angles aren't as good. There's the volume of just video isn't good because Iowa state sucked other than him. And so I think to me, that's what makes him more of like 
a quote legendary character is it was it's like Paul Bunyan or Sasquatch where you're like he was 18 feet tall and he took three steps and he was in the end zones like none of that's true but I can't disprove that none of that's true and so then the only stuff that you get to see is just whether it came down in legend or whatever and so I think again to me and this is, it's coming from a 28 year old talking to a 24 year old 25 year old mm-hmm. yeah, so like we're we're obviously younger because even when 95 96 I was six so I don't have enough recollection of what had happened. So I have, again, this all retrospective look on it. And so with Seneca, I have enough video. I was, a, I was conscious enough, you know, in his really good years that I actually could watch games yeah. and so see him play. And so for, for us, it's a little bit different. You know, if somebody's 40 and they've been watching Iowa State forever, they would have a better sense on that. But if for us, like to me, the, Troy Davis seems like more of a, a legend at Iowa State just because of the the fact that they were terrible, so no one watched. So all of it's legend stories and bad, bad video footage and statistics. And those statistics are absurd. Yeah. I just think about, yeah. I mean, I just think about Seneca like more than I would think about Troy Davis. I also play running back. So like that's kind of a thing that I would yeah. focus on more. Man, we did not anticipate going down on that tangent. But that's a good one. I thought, yeah. I mean, I, it, I think it's an interesting conversation to just because it's – it. Uh, obviously it doesn't do anything like that, you know, and yeah. it just could, opens an interesting door. They could. Yeah. There, we've, well, we I think we talked about this at least a couple of times. Like there's yeah. at least, you know, four to seven guys that you could put up there that I don't think anybody in any college football program would really argue deserve to be up there. Mm-hmm. You know, argue would deserve, excuse me, that wouldn't be up there. So I don't they they've got bodies to do it. They just haven't. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard because when you think about Iowa State's relative football success compared to a lot of other places, it's like, what is the benchmark? You know, like what, what does it take to get your name up there? What do you have to do? Be right. an All-American? Like, then you're, I mean, there's a lot of names you could put up there. Yeah. You know, do you have to win an award of some sort? Like, then R- you don't yeah, got the, many people to put up yeah. there, you know? And so it's like, the people that we might think about being as being great players at a lot of, a lot of other places, like their careers would have been rather pedestrian right. in comparison, you know well, what I'm saying? And the thing that like the, the example that I come to, and this is not necessarily, um, I, I think Davis was better than him, but Deontay Foreman at Texas ran for 2000 yards three years ago, two years ago, three years ago. And he ran for 2000 yards and finished third or fourth in the Heisman voting. And that, to me is like Troy Davis, but just like two years in a row of that. And so if you were to go out, you know, and say, Hey, to the random average football fan, be like, Hey, I think Dante Foreman deserves to be in the Texas hall of fame. Like, Troy Davis is in the hall of fame, but I mean the, the Iowa state, whatever the, okay. the, 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 you know, ring of honor, whatever. And yeah. like, do you think Deontay Foreman deserves to be whatever? And you're like, who? And so the kind of, I don't know what your qual- what your benchmark on that is, but I would think to everybody else, that's not Iowa state fans. That's who you'd. That's who you'd probably have to correlate it to is a guy like Deontay Foreman. Is does that name ring a bell to you at all? If I say Ricky Williams, you're like, damn, he's really good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Ricky Williams ran for two thousand yards. He might have. Uh, he probably did, but I mean, Ricky Williams also won the Heisman, right? But I, I'm just saying, like from a, a pure so that's stats a, standpoint. I mean, that's but that's just what I'm saying. Like that is a little different in a sense because of the fact that he did win the Heisman. I'm just thinking, you know? you, but what I'm saying is like from a, a, a pure stats point, because f- when Texas, when Foreman ran for 2000 yards, Texas was like eight and four or seven and five. Or he like ran that. for 2,300 yards. Okay. Senior year. So take that back. So not Ricky yeah. Williams, but you know what I mean? Like a, a, say a prolific running back or like um, Travis Henry or Derrick Henry, excuse me, Derrick Henry ran for 1400 yards, 1500 yards, something like that. And Deontay Foreman ran for 2000. He ran for 350 yards and five touchdowns against Iowa State in 1998. Yeah, I remember Mark Coberly saying that that he was at that game, like watching that game. He said he's never seen anything like it. He's the he was the all time career rushing leader. Oh, and then Ron Dane broke it the next year. He ran for 6,000 yards in his college career. He was he real good. He was so yeah. maybe the, so Ricky Williams. I mean, it was the wrong 6,500 yards. It was the wrong poll for that. But Derek, like think so of a Derek, better comparison, please. Derek, like Derek Henry. Yeah. Derrick Henry won the Heisman. He ran for 1,400 yards. Oh, but he's in the SEC. Well, statistically speaking, Deontay Foreman had more rushing yards than Derrick Henry, but, but you remember Derrick Henry, not Deontay Foreman because of the Heisman. So as far as like a ring of honor comparison, yeah, the, the benchmark of 
what's worth it is kind of weird. We're going to look at the all-time career rushing records. Isn't that dude at San Diego State? Yeah, it's yeah, Donnell Pumphrey. Yeah. Plays for um doesn't he play for uh I don't remember. The Seahawks now? Rashad Penny plays for the Seahawks. Oh no, okay. He went to he went there too, didn't yep. he? Yeah. He came right after him. Uh Pumphrey's little. Yeah. Uh Ron Dane is second. Ricky Williams. Tony Dorsett. USC? Uh Pittsburgh. Oh, Pittsburgh. Never mind. Uh um Allen went to not Allen. Who am I thinking of? You got to play for the Raiders. Uh, Marcus Allen? Marcus Allen, yeah. Marcus yeah. Allen. He played for USC. Um, yeah, he's fourth. He was the first guy to rush for 6,000 yards. Uh, D'Angelo Williams? At Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. I would never think of that one. He played for Carolina for a long time. Yeah. Uh, Royce Freeman from Oregon. Really? Yeah. He has 5,600 yards. Yeah. Um. Charles White at USC in the 70s. Travis Prentice at Miami of Ohio. Cedric Benson at Texas. Huh. Uh, he's ninth. Justin Jackson at Northwestern is 10th. Huh. Some of these names. So L- where? LaDainian Tomlinson at 11. Christian. Uh, Miles Gaskin for Washington is 12th. That's not surprising at all. He's a Pac-12. No, not Pac-12 leader because there are other guys at USC, but he's a Washington leader forever. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Thompson. At Indiana. Herschel Walker. Who? Uh, what makes that even more impressive, actually, he probably would have shattered that record if he would have came back for one more year. Yeah, he was a, he left as a junior. Yeah. Uh, Archie Griffin. Uh, he's, he was pretty good, I think. Avon Coborn from West Virginia. Garrett Wolf from Northern Illinois. Uh, Monte Ball, Wisconsin. LaMichael James from Oregon. Mike Hart from Michigan. Mike Hart. And Darren Lewis. Oh. Man, that's some names. That's, that's some, some great college football names. Blast from the past name. Mike Hart, LaMichael James. That was the, uh, Lloyd, Man, that was the Lloyd Carr gem. Dude, that was the App State season. Yeah. Th- that team. Well, they, it was one, were, of, one of his teams. Uh, him and Chad Henney. Yep. Uh, and um, Braylon, Edwards. Braylon Edwards. Yep. Mario Manningham. Was Mario a, Manningham. Was a, yep. Yeah. Uh, Man, they had some... That would have been... They two, had some dudes on that That would have been, what, 2007? Yeah, something like that. 2007, 2000. Because I'm pretty sure I was in high school still. Did you know that Mike Hart is now the running backs coach at Indiana? Good for him. He probably knows a little bit about running backs in the Big 12. Or Big 10, excuse me. Yeah, he was uh, finished fifth in the Heisman voting in 2006. Mike Hart did. It was in 2006 then. The App State year in 2006? No, that was 2007. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He, yeah, I don't think that they were very good that year. Hmm. Or not as good. I mean, in 2006, they went to, didn't, which year did they lose to Vince you're the, Young? Uh, you're on the, well, Vince Young left as a junior, and that would have been 05. So they lost to him in 04 in the Rose Bowl. Or not in the Rose Bowl, Orange Bowl, maybe. I don't remember. It was the Rose Bowl. So it would have been, yeah, the year prior, so in 2004. Yeah, so then yeah. it would have been a Hearts freshman year. Because they won back-to-back Rose Bowls. Man, we went down a college football it's another rabbit weird, hole it's here. another weird rabbit hole. Yeah. The D'Angelo Williams reference. <laughs> <coughs> Find me a podcast <laughs> where they'll uh, go back down memory lane of uh, the illustrious career of Mike Hart. <laughs> and that's not... That doesn't have Go Blue somewhere in the name of yeah. the title. Yeah. LaMichael James, man. That, was, that guy was one of my favorite college players of all time. He's just little. Yeah. Could just scoot. Yeah. <laughs> Him. Uh, DeAnthony Thomas. Uh, well, that was in the same era that like, because he was before. Man, remember Jeremiah Mazzoli? Their no, quarterback? I, oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The one that got kicked off the, I think he got kicked out of school for stealing a laptop. That was, uh, well, that would have been. I was in college at the time, I think. That would have been somewhere around 09. Yeah, I think that was 09. And then 10, no. Because he was there with Dennis Dixon, wasn't he? No. it was. I think it was probably... With Mariota? 10 was the Mazzoli year. And then 11 is when they played for the national championship. With Marcus Mariota? No, with... Uh, what was his name? Darren Thomas was his name. Oh. Uh, and then Mariota came in and beat him out. 
after they'd just gone in the national oh, championship okay. game. <sighs> Jeff Mail was a one of their oh, receivers. Man. DeForest is, Buckner. Th- that was a Kiko Alonso. He, that's a white dude. Yeah. Kiko Alonso. Yeah. White dude. Yeah. Shocking. Man. That was but that was in the same That was one of probably one of the better teams uh that didn't win a national championship. Uh, I would say. But that was in the same that was Outside the, of that was in the scat back heyday. Yeah. In the scat back oh, heyday yeah. of the mid 2000s or the mid 2000s to the early 20 teens. Yeah. With like the Pat White, Steve Every, Slayton at West Virginia. After uh after Reggie Bush like that, that everybody be, that wanted. became the thing. Yeah, you wanted like those little running backs that just could like just do crazy stuff. Excuse me. Nobody could do crazy stuff like Reggie Bush, though. No, I was just reading a story about Reggie Bush. I don't remember. Do you remember Joe McKnight? Yes. Yes. And how much he was supposed to be the next Reggie Bush, but then never ended up actually. Except for that one game against Illinois in the Rose Bowl, he had like 400 yards. But I just remember watching Reggie Bush and... He was he had the he was probably the closest thing to Barry Sanders since Barry Sanders, because in college, in yeah in college, and obviously I didn't see Barry Sanders in college, but it was again a, a, alive enough and conscious enough to watch Barry Sanders when he was playing in the NFL for the Lions, where you watch a f- a full speed run come to a stop, move laterally like seven yards, break two tackles, and then outrun everybody in the end zone. You're mm-hmm. like, how in the world does a human being do that? And Reggie Bush was one of those people that did that. It's like Saquon Barkley is sort of in the same ish vein where you don't understand, like you can't physically process all of the things that he's capable of doing until he does them in one play. And you go, good Lord, how did a human being perform those acts? Yeah. There's nobody that's been, it's, it is a a once in a football generation where it's like every 10 years, you might have a guy that's like that where it's, Barry Sanders in the 90s and then Reggie Bush in the 2010 or 2000, the aughts and then Saquon Barkley in the, the teens and then somebody's going to be in the next in the 20s, but it's not going to be quick. There's not like another Saquon Barkley just hopping around. Man, it, uh, they should give Saquon Reggie's Heisman since he doesn't have it. <laughs> they need to give Christian McCaffrey a Heisman. He was robbed. Who, who did win that? Year? Henry. Oh, yeah. That was bad. It's a crock. It's because he went to the SEC. They can give two a uh, two of the Heisman and take Derrick Henry's away. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think two deserves it either. All right, we've been over this. Are we? Are we good? Are we well, done? What the one last question is because you probably talked about this in other podcasts. We've really just rambled on for a while. What What's different about Iowa State now than uh, Iowa State basketball now than three weeks ago? Than three weeks ago, uh, they just have grown up. Guys have just gotten some more experience and. Uh, because is this is yeah. this a thing that we can expect to go keep going? Obviously, you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds, so it's not like you can predict anything or guarantee anything. Mm-hmm. But this is I think, the team that we expected to see, right, at the start of the season. Yeah, or before the start of the season. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I think that I think that it'll continue. I they defend really well, and when Wigginson finally is, I mean, he's playing better. He's playing. He's still not to his last year level. No, but he's playing better. And it becomes a viable option that you need a go-to scorer. You've got Shayok in, in hockey terms. You've got Shayok in your first line. You've got Wiggins yeah. in your second line. And so there's, there is a, a dude that scores in each one of them. Yeah. Uh, they've got a lot of different options. I mean, they've got like six guys that could score 15 points on a given night. Just, I, I'm, I'm holding my breath. And like, I'm not like... I just have, I still have my Iowa State nut cup on, which is, I just can't take it off yet. <laughs> oh, man. Like have you ever I, seen the movie Gridiron Gang? I have. I like, it's weird to me how they tell the guys on that team to wear nut cups playing football. That would be so uncomfortable. Yeah, that'd be awful. So uncomfortable. I didn't even like playing baseball with one of those. No, neither did I. I didn't ever wear one. I, I did when I caught because that's not, that, that is not a game you gamble with. Yeah. But, and if I was playing like a, um, an infield position, I would too, but I either caught or was in the outfield. And so I'm on the, you're in the outfield. Like if you get an unexpected hop that's coming at you in the outfield, 
<laughs> the ball is coming at a velocity that no nut cup is really going to do anything if that hop decides to make its way to where it wants to go. Yeah. One, react better. But two, if it's coming so fast, uh, it's going to break them down there anyway. Yeah. You're not, you're not surviving that with uh, everything intact. Yeah, I played first base and I didn't wear one. I made it out all right. Or so you think. Okay. <laughs> well, this, is, uh, this has been something. It has been something. We will talk to you guys again next week. Thanks again to Iowa Diamond. We've been recording in the Carl Chevrolet Studios. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Cyclone Fnatic Podcast Network. Do you have any final words? No, I don't. But uh, I did send you a picture of me at an 80s prom with a mustache. Are you wearing the short shorts too? Yes. Oh my God. And right. my uh, Southeast Polk letter jacket. Talk to you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>